Hello, everyone. Welcome to the MET podcast, the Music Education Technology Podcast, with Chris Russell and Paul Simmons. Now, Paul isn't here right now. He's off at Bandcamp, and actually, I'm on the road teaching some lessons and uh, workshops at the Wisconsin Center for Music Education this week, and Paul's up in Michigan with his students. And on Friday, when I actually sat down and put many of my thoughts to paper for how I want to do some things differently this week, what popped in my head was to have Paul come in and visit with us about technology, and that would have naturally fit better on our day that we had an iPad class, and then we had a Chromebook class, and then as I'm recording this intro, we have a scanning and notation class on Wednesday. So with that, we I, I just asked Paul if he'd be available, and unfortunately he wasn't open on the iPad day, which is the most common day for, for both of us, as we both you know, kind of are iPad first guys. But uh, it worked out that Paul was able to join us here on Tuesday, and we were able to talk about a couple of things that I wasn't able to really talk about very much. Particularly, I've only used NoteFlight a little bit myself. Um, Seesaw I have zero experience with, and Shobi really fits my needs for Seesaw. And so Paul's able to talk about those things and some other things with technology. So we had about a 30-minute visit during the session uh, today, and I let the, the participants know that we are going to be recording it. So what follows this little introduction is uh, just a simply a chat between Paul and I and the people that have been attending my workshop, particularly on the day of Chromebooks in music education. So Paul and I will be back soon with some more content in the next couple weeks, and as school kind of starts going and as iOS 11 comes out I'm sure we'll have some more topics to cover. The one thing I also wanted to say is if you haven't been following my blog in particular is I had kind of a rude awakening yesterday when um, we were doing an iPad class and as people were looking through my recommended apps just on my website there was a whole bunch of apps that weren't in the app store anymore and I, I kind of was shocked by that and I wrote a blog post about it and then Amy Burns please check out her materials um, contacted me on Twitter and said, oh yeah, there's a ton of apps that are going to be disappearing. And unfortunately, a lot of them are apps that elementary educators have loved for years. So if you are interested in finding out which of your apps at the moment could potentially disappear with iOS 11, go on your iPhone or your iPad, you go into Settings, you go into General, About, and then look at Apps. And if you look at the top, there'll be a little notice that says, these apps will not work with iOS 11, and therefore... Um, you should let developers know. Now, truthfully, iOS has been 64-bit for three years, at least three years. Developers have known for at least three years that this was coming. So if developers are not updating their apps, they've decided that it is not worth the time, effort, or revenue to update their apps to 64-bit, and they've had more than you know, literally more than three years to do it. So it's just something to keep in mind, and it's not something, well, in some cases, it feels like you're losing an old friend because, for example, right now, Cleartune isn't in the App Store and it isn't, you can't update it and it's gone. And that's that's an app that I've been using on my iPhone that I had long before my iPad. And it's just kind of surprising to think that that's gone. Now, are there hundreds of other metronome and tuner apps out there? Yes, there are. There are hundreds. But when you have things that you like and you've used them for a long time and you're familiar with them, it's kind of shocking when they go. So for the rest of this podcast, you'll hear Paul and I talking and uh, we won't have much of an outro. We'll just say, 
by and, and that'll be the end of this podcast so again um, if you're interested in podcasts please look for the podcast by Katie Wardrobe please look for the podcasts uh, by Robbie Burns that are out there and of course the new podcast that's being done by Make Music and their music education specialist so thanks for listening after the short little break you will hear the interview between Paul and myself and the people that attended my workshop today Okay, well, let me introduce you guys. This is Paul Shimmons. Paul Shimmons is a band director. Is it Farwell? Farwell, correct. High school? High school and middle school. And middle school in Michigan. Um, he's a band director with, was it Paul, 25 years of experience? Correct. And he is currently in band camp. And on Friday night, I had the idea of, since I'm teaching this class, how about having Paul, or visiting with Paul, and having him talk about some of his thoughts and his ideas because Paul does a couple of things different than I. Number one, he's a band director. And number two, he does a lot more with digital audio workstation stuff. He, he plays with that. And then also, Paul, a couple of things we'll also have you talk about today is Seesaw because I have very little experience in that. And then also, if you could talk a little bit about your experience with Note Flight Learn, I think would be good. And then if anybody has any questions, we'll, we'll do those. So go ahead and talk for a while and we'll, we'll listen. <laughs> All right. Yep. Sounds good. Like Chris mentioned, I'm joining you guys from band camp right now. And uh, so if the kids are on free time and we're talking with you guys, um, I think I'm kind of in the same boat as a lot of teachers. I know I'm in the same boat as Chris. I just like playing with technology and I like having it available to, to use to make my job easier. And, um, you know, as a band director, I have a lot of kids that I have to try to find time to give individual feedback to in in a performing arts class that's kind of hard so um the technology helps a lot you know i've played around with using like even google voice for kids to do uh voice they, they call in with their phone and they leave a recording of you know the part for the song number one that we're doing and then i can listen to each individual kid um lately i've started using seesaw and that's been a huge asset in the fact that um, my kids, even my middle, I, I use it mostly with my middle school kids, um, but it gives them a chance to um, create kind of a digital portfolio. And I have some, very few kids actually in the middle school that have a device at home that they access it on, but um, a lot of parents have connected. So that opens up an avenue of communication between myself and the parents as well. And the parents get to see more of a daily insight or a weekly insight into what their kids are doing in class instead of just waiting until the concert and then all of a sudden they hear the, you know, the, the three songs that we might be performing. Um, I have, like my middle school kids will do compositions on paper and they'll come up in class. I have three different iPads that they can just come up and grab and they know how to sign in by themselves and um, take a picture of their composition and then that lets it come over to my iPad right away and I can give feedback and the next time the kid comes back up to um, turn in the next week's composition they take a look at what I've given them feedback on and then of course the hope is that they actually apply that at some point <laughs> um, and then the middle school kids actually use Seesaw as well so that we can do their playing assignments so again, it gives me a chance to hear each individual kid, which 
if any of you are band directors, or if you're not, you can still imagine how long it would take me to get through every single kid and listening to them individually and making everybody else sit and wait, you know, like I did when I first started teaching. We're like, okay, today's test day. And one kid would be playing and everybody else would be sitting there waiting and bored to tears. So that technology has helped a ton. Um, with my high school, I've actually used Google Classroom a lot. Um, a lot of those high school kids have their own devices. Uh, we are very much a BYOD school. Um, there's a few of our school classrooms that have like a laptop cart and um, only of our only our special education department actually has like a classroom of iPads available to them. So in my high school band, we got 70, 80 kids and the majority of them just have their own device that they can sign into uh, Google Classroom. And we do the same sort of thing in there where the kids turn in their compositions through Google Classroom. They turn in any writing assignments through Google Classroom. Um, they do re, uh, play, playing tests. They, they, they turn in either audio recording or a, a video through Google Classroom. And um, again, it's um, with the high schoolers, it's that way for me to give each individual kid feedback on what they're doing. And it lets me hear each, each individual kid to make sure I actually know what they're all doing too. Um, Note Flight Learn. That was a interesting um experiment this last year with my high schoolers you know for a couple of years i've been having my middle school and high schoolers do composition assignments on uh paper you know just traditional write out a short melody and turn it in and it just the paper trail is cumbersome for me and so using note flight learn was a much smoother process process this year um and the kids seemed to respond pretty well to it as well. Um, and cost was, I had a little bit of money that I had to kick in, but basically every kid paid $2, and then I ended up paying a little bit more. I think for the 80 kids that I had, I think it ended up being about $280 for the school year. And um, the only issue that we came into, which isn't um, gonna change, because it's federal law, was some of my kids already had a note flight account on their own and that personal account and the note flight learn accounts are very separate accounts they have to be there it's an online environment for students so note flight has to have them walled off it's just like google classroom um so some of my kids wanted to be able to transfer things back and forth and last year they could not do that um chris did you have you paid attention to that i think they might have fixed that I, I don't know, but I could certainly ask John. He's, he's always an email away. Yeah, I think I just saw some news that kept, that said you could connect the two accounts. So maybe that's fixed. But So with Seesaw, how come you don't have the high schoolers using Seesaw too? I like to play with different technology. So at one point, I was using three different um, environments. I had my high schoolers on Google Classroom. I had my 7th and 8th graders on Fresh Grade. And then I had my fifth and sixth graders on Seesaw. And I was just playing with them all to see which way worked out the best. And fresh grade is interesting, but Seesaw has definitely got huge benefits over it. And with Google Classroom, I've left my high schoolers on Google Classroom because more and more of the rest of the high school teachers in my building are using Google Classroom. So I'm trying to kind of stay with the norm that's um, you know, in, our, in our school building. 
I think Google Classroom and Seesaw, I don't know. I, I think just Seesaw is just stupid, simple, easy for the middle schoolers to understand. I could easily have my high schoolers doing it, but I don't. And you don't, you don't buy Seesaw. You're using the free account, right? Yeah, I've never paid for it. You know, I, I did run, uh, they have a trial for it. And um, I did run the trial because I had my hopes up that their grading on Seesaw was going to be really beneficial. And I didn't find that it was very useful. It, it was something like a four-star sort of rating. And um, so, you know, they, had, they, were, they, they were either doing good or kind of good or okay or not so good. And I just decided it wasn't worth paying it. So, yeah, in, in Seesaw right now, in the free version, I'm not giving grades. It's just to collect the kids' work and to show their progress from the beginning of the school year to the end of the school year and um, to make open the avenue of communication between parents especially, too. Do you have private lessons still time scheduled for you? I have no private lessons. You know, we live very, very close to university, but I've only been able to convince a few kids a year to go down and do private lessons. I have more kids doing private lessons on guitar and drums than like traditional instruments. I kind of asked that the wrong way. Um, do you do you get time in your schedule to teach some lessons? Is what I probably meant. Oh, oh no, I don't get a chance to do that. I have a fifth grade band, a sixth grade band, a seventh grade band, an eighth grade band in a high school band. So I've got five groups a day, plus I teach a, a morning class. Um, that's kind of a, you know, whatever I want to make it, but um, it's an electronic ensemble. So we have a bunch of electronic instruments and iPads and computers and such, along with, we've also incorporated like guitar and trumpet, trombone, tenor sax, like that. For a while you taught elementary too, didn't you? Didn't you do some of that? I did. Um, and then my administration found out that, you know, as they were playing with our teachers' schedules for our music and art people, they were starting to ask too much of us. <laughs> and so they got smart and stopped playing with our schedules because we were all looking for different jobs. Um, I enjoy it, but I just didn't want to be doing both. And you and that that was while you had the iPad a little bit too, right? You had a little bit of overlap there? I did. I used that iPad in that in that first first grade music class and it was a lot of fun. Even with just the one iPad, the kids responded really well to having one device up front and we hooked it up to the projector and um, I had it wired and um, we'd play music games on it and I'd have one kid at a time come up or maybe two kids come up at a time and we used um, like Rhythm Cap or Rhythm Cat um, and there were some note naming games. I don't know, there was three or four of them. It's been a few years. I kind of forget what there was. We've been talking today about Chromebooks. I mean, the natural fit for us to chat about is was the iPad day, but, but you were kind of busy that day. Um, today we've been talking about some of the, the best solutions for, for Chromebook are, are still paid for the full functionality. And where we kind of land with Digital Audio Workstation is Soundtrap. And have you used Soundtrap much or do you have any thoughts about Soundtrap? Just kind of curious. I have not used it a ton. I've just played around with it, but I would, I would concur with that. I, I think that's one of your best options. Okay. So, um, Paul, there's, I don't know if you could hear the question, but you're, you're having students, especially in the high school in particular, record audio files of themselves, um, not just taking the iPads and doing that. What, what kind of solutions are they using to create those audio files? It's been a really mixed bag. Um, with the BYOD, you can imagine that I end up getting, you know, I haven't really specified that they do it one way or other. I just said either you send me an audio file 
or you send me a movie. So some kids have chosen to send me a movie, which is really beneficial because I get to see fingers and posture and we can talk about that and embouchure and such. Um, the audio files come across as all different sorts of things. Um, some kids have used um, like the audio memo thing uh, app on their on their phone. Um, the rest of them have actually used like an actual um, app for recording audio and those ones work the best. Um, I've been able with my with my Mac, I've been able to figure out all of them so far, <laughs> but they have come across as three or four different types of file formats. So it is interesting. There's, um, it, it would probably be smart for me to find one app that worked on Android and then one app that worked on iOS um, and, and specify that they use it, but I haven't done that yet. I was just about to ask that question, if that's something that you do. I've just kind of turned the kids loose and yeah, I've just said, go find an app that, that, that does this, which is kind of one of my um, hopes too, is that the kids just start tr playing with some of these apps and trying to discover what is out there. Um, and sometimes, or at some point in time, I hope they come back with something that I'm not even aware of. What do you do with those recordings once you listen to them yourself? Do you put them into some sort of spot for a portfolio for the kids? In Seesaw, I just leave that recording in their portfolio for the whole entire year. And then after the year is over with, I don't keep them from year to year. But in Seesaw, those recordings are there and we get to go back and listen to them. So at the end of the school year, like my fifth graders, especially the ones, the beginners, I can say, I don't think you really remember how bad you were <laughs> when we started. Let's take a listen to this. And, and they, even, you know, even the fifth graders can hear it. And their parents appreciate being able to see that too. They go back to October and then they hear something in December and then they hear it in October, or, um, April and then May and they can see that progress. Um, in Google Classroom, again, same thing. I just leave it there for the year. At the end of the year, I start over and flush everything out. Have you used the um, invites uh, parents feature of Google Classroom then for the parents to hear that from there at all? I have not. Have you? No, that's my question is, you know, what's going to be a good platform to keep these? I haven't used Seesaw myself, but it sounds like that might be a nice way to do it because you can share it with whoever. Seesaw is really easy. Um, it's, it's, um, the parents can sign up at home. You can sign them up. Um, I have not tried the Guardian feature on Google Classroom, but it kind of sounds like that might be the same sort of idea. Again, it's just a, another avenue of, of connecting with parents and allowing parents to see their students work. I think the Invite Guardians just shows them the whole thing of Google Classroom, though, so sometimes there might be like stuff that you just want the kids to see, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to play with it. I know that I've used, well, with Schoology, we invite all of our parents to be a part of that and to come and look, and it's up to them whether they sign up or not. I've also done that on a rare occasion with some really intense parents with Shobi. You know, the, the one I was showing you and how I use that for my audio submissions and things. That's how I do my grading, and you can do a portfolio there too. Um, and boy, one, one parent in particular was um, great great parent, great kid, which those two things very seldom do not go together, right? You, almost all the time you have a great kid and it's a great parent, hand in hand. I won't say the opposite, but I'm gonna say that. And um, it was amazing 
how that one parent, the one parent was so excited about the access and to see Shobi and what we were doing that they were consistently emailing the principal about how cool that was. Paul, are there any other thoughts you have before you head out? Yeah, I suggest strong, or, I don't know, what, what's the mix of the audience or, or the class? Are we all teachers or musicians or what? Well, I think we have about five elementary general music majors. We have like three choral people, some that teach some elementary and some other levels, and a couple band people. I think that covers us. Okay, so we're all teachers then, or gonna be then, good. I told Paul that sometimes these conferences, I'll get people that are just, I don't wanna say just, people that are studio teachers too, that are looking for like solutions for their studio, which on the iPad day, there's a ton of solutions for less today, right? With Google still where it's at. And we were, I was showing them, nobody here has a uh, Chromebook that runs Android other than me right now. And I was showing them the flip Chromebook and, and some other things. And the technology is almost there, Paul. It's almost there. Really? Good. Is this a new one that you just picked up? No, I've had it for a year, but they just started adding, rolling out Android like in October of last year. So they're, they're starting to catch up now. Yeah, that's awesome. So we'll see if my video starts up again. My biggest suggestion to you all and i don't know what level you're at for using technology and your comfort level um but pick at least one thing that you can go and try with your classroom and that's like i mentioned earlier you know i just play with this stuff and i trial it you know if i think it might work and be beneficial to the parents the students myself i try it and i'll be honest with my students and, and parents i'll say Hey, I don't know if this is going to help us, but I think it will. And we just dig in and start trying to use it for at least a couple months. And then we make a decision. Are we going to keep on using it or are we going to find a better solution? Um, you know, I've had things in the past that just didn't work so well. Like, well, I won't say the product again, but um, <laughs> and I ended up with Seesaw and Google Classroom. And those two are, are seeming to work really well. Um, we mentioned Soundtrap. And I think that's one of the things that I'm going to try this year, too, because that opens up just like this Skype session, which is really cool because we're sitting here in two parts of the world, but we can communicate back and forth. With Soundtrap, you can do that with recordings. And I really think that would be a fun thing to get your kids online working with other schools and other students someplace and um, doing some recording and some composition together, even though they're not sitting in the same room. I was just thinking, you know, with, with multiple days of teaching with different groups of people, I forgot to mention that that's one of Soundtrap's benefit too, is that it's meant as a social collaboration tool. So you can take your song that you've laid out a piano line or sung to, and you can then share that song. We talked about it yesterday. You can share that song with somebody else that plays cello elsewhere in the world, and they can add a cello track. and then. You want to find a ukulele player, so then you contact me, and then I add a track on there. And then you can actually make a truly global piece, or between students, a collaboration where, um, again, some of it's at home, um, maybe, but maybe it's at school, even, during the question is, do you have enough quiet space for people to work and do that, where you can collaborate? So yeah, thanks for mentioning that, too, because I forgot to mention the, the collaborative nature of that in the midst of today. Um, there's another two thoughts I can think of, too. For us as teachers, we get really secluded in our own classrooms and in our basement of your house, you know, trying to do your lessons and such. Connect with other music teachers and other musicians on Twitter. There's a ton of people that are very active on Twitter for music and music teachers. 
Um, if you're not aware of it, there's, I think on, it's on Monday night, there's um, a music, Muse Ed. It's just M-U-S-E-D. And it might be a Muse Ed chat tag. And there's a chat, a couple of questions that are popped up. Um, a guy in the lower south, southern part of Michigan runs it and he'll put some questions up for the week and then there's two or three questions and we just talk about it for an hour every Monday night. And I know there's an elementary music one like that too. Um, you just give an hour if you can. And if you can't, you come back later and search the tag and you can see the questions and the answers from people all over the place. Um, and the other really sad thing is there's not enough people writing as teachers about their experiences, about what's going on in their classrooms and what works and what doesn't. Chris and I do it. And there's not enough people. So the rest of you guys need to do it too. Get online, make a blog, and just share it. Um, part of that for me is so I can look back later and say, oh, yeah, I remember doing that. You know, I can look back two years and go, I, I remember trying something. What was it and did it work? I was, I was going to ask you, when you're listening to this conversation, now how I've got this set up is I've got, I'm recording, of course, off my iPad and using uh, Ferrite Studio, but my phone, I'm just running Skype with an exterior speaker for audio. And I was curious, what's, are you getting, what kind of feedback are you getting as you hear yourself speak? Are, are you hearing that at all or is Skype muting that out? I'm hearing nothing from me at, it, at this end. There's no echo or anything like that. It's a really good connection. Actually, the video seems to be working no while now too. What I want to say about that is, this, this is, and Paul and I actually talked about this too before we did this, um, and I, I, we texted each other to set this up. Um, but the idea here is, if you have a master teacher that you want to bring into your classroom, or if you have a composer that you want to bring into your classroom, check out this setup. Um, you know, we're bringing Paul from Michigan, so that's what, 300 miles away, basically? Yep, something like that. And, you know, it doesn't matter. It could be anywhere on the planet. And we've, we've had interviews of people from France and Germany and so forth on our, on our podcast before. So um, think about bringing in an expert without having to bring them in. I mean, you know, they could be in their, their bathrobe, hopefully not, because they're going to tell you right? Yeah, right. Um, looks like I'm almost got to go here. One last thing, too, you know, like with this Skype thing, we were doing one, one year, we were doing Slovakian folk songs, and I knew missionaries that were living in Slovakia, so we got a chance to talk to them and, and tie into that sort of stuff, too, and that was a lot of fun. There's a lot of composers that will Skype in and I've seen some teachers that will have those composers even Skype in at the concert. So the parents get to um, experience this as well. As long as your internet connection holds out. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, Paul, cool. I, I appreciate you always. Thank you for coming and spending the time with us. And again, to the, the class, we're actually just going to post this on our, our podcast. And we thought that that conversation might be beneficial to other teachers, not just ourselves. And they will hopefully send donations that will refer, you know, help pay off your cost of the I'm just joking today. So, all right, thanks, Paul. What are you going to do tonight? What's on What's on task for tonight? Well, this is day two of band camp, and so we just, before I came in here, we finished marching and playing song number one of four, and I told the kids before they go to bed tonight, we're going to do song two as well. So, let's go. <laughs> now, are they staying there, or are you... Or do they just go home and then come back the next morning? Um, I take the kids to a camp that's about 45 minutes away from school, and we spend um, Monday through Friday here. We have four nights that we just stay here, and we eat breakfast at 7 a.m., and we have lights out at 11 p.m., and there's about an hour and a half of free time in the middle. <laughs>
So we worked them hard. How many parent volunteers do you have with you? Uh, we have about 10 to 12 adults. Some of them are just parents that are chaperones. And I have some staff, color guard, percussion, woodwind sort of stuff too. So, Oh, and a nurse. That's very important. <laughs> Actually, that's really true. It is. So. All right. Well, thanks, Paul. And um, we'll talk soon. Thanks, you guys. Talk to you later. Thanks.